Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. M.I.P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, someone we dwelled from in the midst of all of this that's been happening, and we've not talked to him since January 6th, uh, he played an instrumental role in helping with the election of Biden and Harris and uh, down in Georgia as well. We know the work the Democratic coalition played. I was very um, happy to be part of that, as well as the original impeachment task force. I don't think anybody in history has had two impeachment task forces, Lord have mercy. Uh, but he's also the executive editor of Occupy Democrats as well, as well as being part of the Democratic coalition. Um, he's rocking the John Brown beard. We want to be sure he keeps that. Give him words of encouragement, folks, to keep the John Brown beard. We need more John Browns. And a John Brown, he most certainly is. What he's going to do for us today is kind of walk us through the cast of characters uh, in the insurrection uh, and what has happened since then, where we are on the upcoming impeachment. So we'll get to all of that with our dear friend and brother, Grant Stern, everyone. Hey, buddy, how are you? Happy, first of all, happy new year and all the other good stuff. How are you? How are you? Happy new administration. Doing great. <laughs> do, do, so, so during the inaugural, were you like the rest of us kind of like still not quite believing it's real? Just kind of wondering if this is really happening or is somebody going to just pop up any minute now and say, psych, you know, I haven't left. Were you nervous? Did that, did that get to you? You know, until I saw the plane take off. <laughs> I was just like, what's next? Yeah. What, what's the next desperation move? <laughs> right. you know, what are they going to try now? And uh, it, was, it was comforting to see that pathetic exit ceremony. I mean, you're walking off the public stage for the last time to YMCA. Yeah. <laughs> sure, what, why what not? Is that? Wait, wait, wait. And there's been enough trolling about 
the paradox of him and YMCA, you would think they would have taken it down. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? I mean, when you've been trolled about it and it's explained what it really is and what they were about and even their own feelings, they won't stop playing it. There's something weird about that. Oh, you yeah. Know? There's there's a whole <laughs> lot to unpack there. We're going to leave that <laughs> sitting on the ground over here. Uh, right. But, right. You know, I, I was I was very emotional. I mean... You know, I think I spent most of the the inaugural ceremony, uh, you know, if not fighting back tears, definitely like letting them flow uh, and sending out a couple of tweets here and there in the process. And, uh, you know, I just think that Steve, uh, that Joe Biden, President Joe Biden gave a fantastic speech. It it was the right speech for the moment. And I think that it'll age remarkably well because here he is, the first person in a, a position of authority of really vast power to say that disinformation is hurting our country and we need to fight for the truth. Yeah. Yeah. First inaugural address is believed with the, these words we use disinformation and white supremacy. That's right. Okay. White supremacy yeah. is at yeah. the heart of the problems that we saw on one six. Yeah. Um, and, you and know, especially for an American president to come out and say, we need to fight white supremacy. Yeah, that's man. a landmark day. Yeah, never. that's never happened before. I mean, even Lincoln didn't say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you have been um, writing about and engaged with some of these in the cast of characters on 1-6. And I think it's important to have this conversation because what Grant is going to walk us through, folks, undermines Mitch McConnell's desire to delay this trial. These are some serious issues. So, so, so let's let's get started. We've seen this character Ali. Is he really the one most responsible January for January six? I would say that Ali or Alexander Ali Akbar. He he calls himself Alexander Ali, but his his name is Ali Akbar. Like you know when he gets convicted of felonies and whatnot. Okay, and and he. <laughs> He's certainly the number one fall guy. He bears a lot of responsibility. He was the primary organizer of the Stop the Steal rally, especially the largest, the last largest one in, uh, that caused the Capitol insurrection. But he's not the only one involved. Uh, he went on to, actually, I think it was on Twitter, but uh, he posted a video saying how the Stop the Steal rally on the 6th was his idea, along with three Republican congressmen. Uh, Arizona representatives, Andy Biggs, and Dr. Paul Gosar, uh, along with, uh, oh, was it Gomer? I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> drawing a blank here, but it was definitely Gosar and Biggs. Oh, and Mo Brooks, I'm sorry, it was Mo Brooks, uh, at the Alabama representative. Um, so those three representatives, I think, are facing the most trouble right now. You know, uh, Mo Biggs spoke at the rally. Um, but like all of them were deeply involved with this fellow Ali. And I mean, you're talking about the same guy who attacked vice president Kamala Harris when she was still a Senator saying that she wasn't black. Mm-hmm. Alexander Ali was the source of that big lie. Mm, okay. Okay. So, so now some cast of so characters, she, huh? Yeah. That's it just is. the now, start. Now, the three members of Congress, are they the ones who are believed um, to have 
helped to orchestrate the guided tours and the surveillance of the building? Uh, I can't say. I, I, I don't okay. know that they were the ones. I'd certainly say that uh, they would be suspected. But what's really okay. important about what they did is that they were working with this particular organizer, Alexander Lee. I mean, he he was the core uh, organizer. I mean, he was calling for uh, victory or death, quite literally, uh, in rallies. Uh, he was calling for violence uh, repeatedly. <clears throat> he was their propagandist. So the fact that he directly implicated them in, in a video uh, is remarkable and it's very significant and it could potentially become an incriminating piece of evidence because he said that they decided that their strategy was to put, quote, maximum pressure on Congress as they were voting on the 6th. Now, we all know, wow. we all know that peaceful protest is, is a vehicle for maximum pressure, peaceful protest. Mm -hmm. But that's not what they were calling for. Never what they, they were calling for. They were calling for violence for months on end. And when it happened, well, they said, oh, who could have known? Was Ali at the Capitol himself? Yes, he was, actually. He was recording video in the Capitol the day of, but I don't know if he actually went on the grounds. That's a, a good question that I can't answer. Yeah. But, but you know what's interesting, just like Trump, Trump said, go to the Capitol, storm the Capitol, and he didn't go. So it's like a lot of people were manipulated, Grant, and, and pushed in that direction, but some of the principals didn't even show up. I mean, it's like they knew we're not going to get in trouble, but we're going to manipulate everybody else, these underlings, these these unknowing people, um, to, to get kind of, you know, worked up. And, and frankly, you know, I said, um, some of those people that were there were kind of exploited to be there and probably didn't really even know what they were getting themselves into. Oh, absolutely. I, I would say that the vast majority, majority of them were being exploited, but it doesn't matter. Once you join a mob and sack the capital of your country, whether you were exploited right. or whether you were a true believer or whether you were uh, exploited because of your, your true beliefs or whether you were planning to actually uh, you know, make forced entry, it, it, the, the little lines there kind of evaporate uh, into a, a, a pot of, oh, well, were you part of the insurrection or the seditious conspiracy? You know, uh, insurrection is the, you know, the bringing of force to affect a violent change of government. And that's what this was. Seditious conspiracy is the crime of organizing a group more than one person to slow down or alter the execution of laws, to stop the execution of laws. It's a, precisely a seditious conspiracy that was going on, um, but they, they're both happening at the same time. I think there's a lot of levels to this. Not everybody was coordinating everything with everybody, but they were all working simultaneously towards one goal. So you uh, have been covering this for Occupied Democrats. So you you have been uh there's been some a bit of back and forth between you and some of these characters correct that is actually correct the man that recorded alexander ali's videos on january 6th is a gentleman named michael cowdry right uh formerly known as mike tokes 
And he created a group that he called the new right in the wake of the failure of the alt right, better known as American neo-Nazis trying to hide their true nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I stumbled into this because of a tip, a tip that came from someone, let's just say, who is not allowed on social media themselves anymore. Okay. Okay. Uh, Someone who is familiar, like personal and familiar with many of these folks. And the tip arrived in, I want to say early September of 2018 uh, during the start of the, the blue wave midterm elections. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty stunning tip, but this is the kind of tip that I followed a lot. This is what I wrote about a lot, which is to illuminate the ties between Republicans and hate groups. Mm-hmm. You know, the proud boys hate group. And that's the most accurate description of them. There is besides fascist squads, but the proud boys hate group was widely known to be very close to numerous Republican politicians. And they had no problem with that. And they presumably being politicians knew something about the people they were interacting with just a little bit. Um, so I, I exposed those people and they did not like that. They didn't like it in 2018 at all. Uh, and that resulted in multiple uh, lawsuit threats. And I'll, I'll tell you the, the title of the story Um. The title of the story is uh, California uh, Republican, uh, what is it? California GOP Congress, uh, member of Congress. So let me get this thing out. Now I have to actually open the story up because I want to make sure people can search it and find it. It's on a website that I, I wrote for many years called thesternfacts.com. California GOP congressional candidate just caught palling around with Hollywood Nazis. Okay. And the candidate's name is Omar Navarro, and he is a perennial candidate running in the district that Maxine Waters has held for many decades. Yeah. So, you know, this is about Maxine Waters' opponent. And he ran in 2016, he ran in 2018, and he ran again after my reporting came out. Uh, he ran again in 2020 and has filed already to run in 2022. So these folks don't go away easily. And um, I was just, I was tipped off. I got some video and I got uh, images. And what that revealed is that this fellow Omar Navarro had a host of neo-Nazis and neo-Nazi associates uh, helping with his campaign. And Cowdery was one of those associates. Uh, Another is a fellow that was caught in the Capitol uh, and charged, arrested. His name is Tim Giannette. Uh, he's a former BuzzFeed reporter, best known by his nickname, Baked Alaska. Yeah. Yep. He was caught recently. And there's another fellow named Anthony Foreman, a.k.a. Anthony Freeman, who is a well-known, quote, alt-right figure, according to the LA Times, uh, you know, best known for being associated with the Proud Boys as well. But the story came out and immediately Navarro took to his social media accounts to tell hundreds of thousands of people that I was lying and that he was going to sue me for libel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you, you were lying specifically about what? 
about the relationship with the Hollywood neo-Nazis? No, he just, uh, you know, <laughs> the general, uh, okay, you know, allegation. Okay. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, I'm looking at the story and some of the evidence that he's hanging out with these uh, neo-Nazi figures is the header of his uh, Twitter profile. Okay. How directly was Navarro involved? I know you said the relationship between with Baked Alaska and Calgary, but was there any more direct involvement on Navarro's part in January 6th? Uh, I don't know anything about what Omar Navarro did on the 6th. Uh, I don't have any evidence about his, his involvement. Um, you know, I'm blocked by his social media, so I, I, I haven't seen it. Um, it's really Calgary and Baked Alaska that were the most involved. And Calgary is a very interesting story, I think, even more so than, than Baked Alaska, because Calgary got the incredible privilege of being allowed to change his name on Twitter and his handle, name and handle, and retain that blue check mark. And I think it has to wow. do with a series of frivolous complaints he filed uh, against the videos that I published of him hanging around with. Uh, neo-Nazis who were doing Nazi salutes, uh, which wow. he had, by the way, live streamed. So uh, I think that's a solid warning your audience uh, should hear, but I know that they're not going to be doing exactly quite what this guy did. Uh, but it's, it's a warning to say that, you know, if you live stream something, well, somebody might be recording that, <laughs> you know? Wow. And, and once that's recorded, it's out there. So, um, he filed what's called a DMCA takedown. You ever hear that? No. Well, everybody has heard lately because of uh, certain uh, Orange Castro's ranting and raving about Section 230 ne needing to be repealed. Right? Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Repeal yeah. Section 230. You know? And uh, that's, that's the Communications Decency Act. That's the liability shield for the platforms. But there's another important uh, 1990s act called the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. And that's what lets somebody take down content from a provider uh, or ask for it to be taken down when the, the content infringes on the private copyright. So like if uh, I stole your radio program and put it on my YouTube, you could file a DMCA takedown request. Gotcha. So this guy filed a bunch of false ones saying that he owned the copyright to all the videos that I'd published for news. I mean, the use of news footage is covered. It's exempt from copyright protection because of this thing called fair use. Yeah. As a journalist, I have a fair use right to disseminate video and, and other copyrighted material that tells a news story. Well, that news story is that this guy Cowdery is a neo-Nazi associate. He actually wrote me and said, this is damaging me greatly because I am Jewish. Now, no, it, it's, it's not damaging that you're reporting on it. It's damaging that he's doing it. Okay, proceed. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's saying that, that uh, my reporting is damaging because uh, of what it says, but not, not noticing that it's damaging because of what he's doing. So, uh, you know, he had also threatened to sue me on his Twitter account and maybe like, a day or two later after that threat, Donald Trump retweeted one of his posts. So this guy was, uh, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah. Donald Trump He's was connected. retweeting him. He's connected, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and while this was all pending, this fellow uh, was uh, facing some minor criminal charges in, in Las Vegas. Um, 
you know, all, all I could say is, is that these people are out there reporting like mine, expose them. But a lot of people that have been sitting in the mainstream media just made this political decision of their own that white nationalists weren't important, white supremacists, uh, fascists, uh, you know, all these folks, they just kind of demoted the issues that these people raise by their actions, even though their actions have been responsible for more domestic terror and more terror incidents in America than any other group. And that's not my saying it. That's what the GSA report said. Uh, I think it was GSA GSA or GAO report. I've got to dig this up. But a government report uh, that came out, a federal government report that came out in 2017, very early in the Trump administration, concluded that the bulk of deaths and, and injuries from terrorism in the United States from 2001 after the, the 9-11 attacks through the beginning of 2017 had come from white supremacists and far-right domestic terrorists. Wow, wow, yeah. wow. So, so where is Cordry now? Was, has he been picked up? You know, I don't know where Cordry is now. Uh, he got suspended by Twitter and Instagram. So he has lost his platform. Uh, he was actually posting the videos of Ali Alexander, and Alexander was embedding Cowdery's videos during the, the, the January 6th Capitol insurrection. Um, all, all I got out of that was like one quick screenshot showing that it was, you know, he was sharing the Cowdery videos. Um, but, but now Baked Alaska is in custody. He is in custody. As I understand it, Ali Alexander, or Alexander Ali, is in hiding. Mm. So yeah. wait a minute. Wait. What is what is his ethnicity or nationality? I mean, I'm seeing a man of color running around defending Donald Trump. That and the name. I mean, on the surface, you presume that that he's he's Muslim with the name Ali. Ali but I, mean, I don't know. Uh, I would, I, I would make the guess. Uh, I I actually yeah. don't. I mean, I can't really speak. You know, based on on factual source, uh, what his, his, you know, his background is uh, in that way. Um, but I mean, I can tell you this, he's a convicted felon. That's a fact. Uh, you know, I I guess they, I don't know. I mean, he, he's no different than Dinesh D'Souza in many ways. Yeah. Right. 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 You know, well, yeah. And, and, and and knowing Dinesh's background, I mean, that's, you, you find, where there are people of color and the places where they are from were thoroughly colonized, that tends to happen. You know, there's an assimilation into white supremacy, unfortunately. And, and obviously that's what happened with, uh, um, with Ali. So now you even, you've even gotten into it with, with, with Diamond and Silk lately too, haven't you? Well, yes, they, they were no, uh, cited in that story as well. And right. they noticed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did they notice? Um, you know, I wrote about Navarro because the, the story was anchored by Navarro's relationships with these uh, neo-Nazis and, and, you know, far right figures. And I just, I noted that, you know, he was uh, hanging out with Diamond and Silk. And I noted that they appeared on a neo-Nazi broadcast which they did. <laughs> they appeared yeah. on a broadcast with neo-Nazis. Yeah. 
And apparently they didn't like that. So they sent me probably the most laughable threat letter I've ever gotten. Um, and, and the Daily Beast uh, picked it up and wrote about it because they also threatened, uh, you know, they threatened the, the woman in Alaska who uh, created the K-Hive. Yeah, yeah. So, how about that? <laughs> so, so, so what was what was the threat? What were they threatening to do? Well, they were threatening to sue me for libel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They. Uh, yeah. That's that may that may not be as bad as them threatening to come, let's say, move in with you or something. <laughs> I mean, thank God they didn't to do that. <laughs> well, it's it's always concerning when you have a notorious alt right figure threatening to to sue. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, they, they could try to bring public approbation or try to, yeah. to, you know, commit an act of stochastic terrorism where they, you know, they, they, they defame you while they're claiming to sue for defamation. And then yeah. they yeah. try to incite, uh, you know, an online mob or an offline mob to cause harm. And, you know, there's a certain amount of incitement that uh, is just not punishable. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if they contact somebody directly and say, do something, it could be acted upon, but, that's right. Uh, right. you know, there's a lot of online incitement. That's just, uh, they call it, uh, prosecutors call it red lighting where you're just trying to show the red light. You're just saying, Oh, these guys are bad. Go after them. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, that's what's happening with Latasha Brown and, and Cliff Albright of black voters matter. As we speak, they have been, um, sequestered somewhere because after January 6th, they got so many death threats. There was some red lighting against them. So they're literally tucked away in an undisclosed location for their safety and the safety of their families. So that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of stuff that's, that's, that's going on. So um, where do you see this headed? I mean, people are being arrested. Do you think there are going to be real prosecutions? Will there be real consequences? Are people just waiting uh, for some of the attention? You know, people have a short attention span in this 24-hour news cycle. Or what do you think? Do you think this is going to be something that's seriously followed upon politically, too? Can a Biden Justice Department, you know, incoming administrations have always been loath to prosecute what's happened in the immediate past, especially when it comes to former presidents. But is that different now with Merrick Garland? I mean, what what do you think? You know, I I just feel like if there's not a prosecution here, then our country's going to have so many problems. The prosecutors themselves are probably looking at this as we don't have a choice. Yeah. I mean, you just can't let this stand. So, I can't speak for Merrick Garland or any line prosecutor or U.S. attorney, but I could only imagine. I can only imagine. I mean, I, I speak with prosecutors, former and current at times. Um, I've spoken with, you know, the criminal defense lawyers. Um, you know, it's just like if you don't punish this, how can you have a law? You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's some – if you create the permission for people to storm the seat of government with guns – and try to kill people. Well, you don't have a government. I mean, to paraphrase, you know, to paraphrase the, the heavy guy that, that uh, moved to Mar-a-Lago recently, uh, 
you know, you don't have a country anymore <laughs> if you don't enforce yeah. a few laws. And that's certainly the last set of laws I ever thought we'd enforce. And it's funny because those are the kind of laws that are on the books, you know, and you hear about them and, you know, uh, the last four years, everybody's become a, a federal criminal law expert. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Feels like it. Can't help it. Yeah. And you read these laws and then it says at the very bottom, you know, except in cases of insurrection or seditious conspiracy or rebellion or, or, you know, it's a crime to violently overthrow the government. You think to yourself when you see these things, you go, does that even need to be said? Right, right, right. But now we know. Apparently it does. Apparently so, that's a lesson that needs to be taught. You you wrote about Bannon lately, too, of late. Oh, Yeah. Well, um, you know, I think I don't think we've talked about it on your program, but I wrote the story that led to Steve Bannon's indictment. Uh, that was That's back right, in did. May 2019. Right. Um, you know, a, a conservative came to me out of just concern that Trump supporters were being ripped off because of the wall, right. which uh, neither of us mentioned on that phone call. Mexico is supposed to pay for it. Remember what happened? Right. Uh, but, but this person was concerned and they had spoken with the, the individual Brian Colfage who, uh, created a GoFundMe, uh, page to privately fund Donald Trump's wall, which people kind of forget this all happened during a government shutdown that, that Trump caused. And he caused it almost in the same way that he tried to derail the COVID relief package where he waited for Congress to act at the very end of the year. And then it was one of these things where all he had to do was sit on his hands and the Congress would end waiting for the next Congress to be sworn in. Right. Right. And that's when the GoFundMe page was started. And he knew somebody who knew Bannon and they were at a dead end long before it became publicly known. They were at a dead end because they, raise the money saying we're going to give it to, to Congress to build the wall if they won't fund it themselves. But the laws of the United States don't work that way. If Congress doesn't appropriate it, the federal government can't spend it. You can yeah. give them the money, but it just goes into the general account. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this source, this conservative was concerned about the, the ripoff because they had been told personally by Colfage that he was running out of money Facebook removed his right-wing news network. It was called right-wing news network for peddling disinformation. Mm-hmm. And then he's out there saying that he's not taking a dime mm-hmm. of, yeah, from that. the wall, uh, you know, scam, which he was, uh, it turns out that he was taking a lot of money from it. In fact, he peeled off a million dollars from the venture almost on day one. And kickbacks and all sorts of things going on uh, involved in that. But on top of that, in Florida, you have to register with the Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Uh, We just call it the Ag Department. Uh, (laughs) uh, I know, it's funny, but uh, imagine that. Of all the things in Florida that would be the only Democratic uh, statewide uh, elected official, it would be the head of the Department of Agriculture because it's also the the Department of Consumer Services. And yeah. uh, Nikki Freed uh, built a very, very narrow winning coalition. And surprisingly, uh, Andrew Gillum and the other candidates could not uh, follow that. 
Don't ask me why, but anyhow, uh, you know, I wrote the story. It got over 300,000 reads in a day. Colfage reached out to me and tried to spin things. And I asked him a lot of questions. I asked him for more information. And he said, well, you know what? I'm just going to go to a reliable fact-checking uh, website. And so he contacted Snopes. Okay. Okay. And Snopes was like, well, we're going to write a both sides kind of story on this. We're not going to write a fact check. Like we're not going to say, oh, Grant Stern's story is incorrect because of this or that. And I explained it to them. This is a story about a source's opinion and their opinion is supported by a material fact. Having met this guy Colfage and seeing that he was broke. And then six months later, seeing that he's tooling around in what we thought was a million dollar yacht. He said it was $670,000 worth of fishing boat. It's not a yacht. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, a fishing boat that you can take out for two days on the Gulf of Mexico. It's a little That's bit a more yacht. than just a fishing boat. That's a yacht. A more than a boat. That's a yacht. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those things aren't cheap either. You know, like just having a boat, I mean, come on, man. You ever hear the saying that a boat is a hole in the water you throw money into? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> another another good one is the the happiest uh, two days of a boat owner's, boat owner's life are the day that they buy the boat and the day that they sell it. <laughs> I mean, it takes a ton of money. Uh, riding out for two days on, on the ocean, I mean, I got to imagine the gas is a thousand bucks alone, maybe more. Yeah. I mean, we're talking like, two miles per gallon and you're out there for 48 hours, maybe going 10 miles per hour. I mean, it's, it could get expensive, <laughs> especially uh, before gas prices fell during COVID. So, you know, I stood by my reporting. Uh, they convinced him to hand over what he said were the bylaws and they contacted the Florida attorney general's office. That is Snopes contacted mm-hmm. the Florida attorney general's office they in turn contacted the ag department and said, Hey guys, uh, we got a bunch of complaints. Did you know that? Uh, <laughs> we hadn't sent them over to you before, but here they are. Wow. Wow. Uh, what a fortuitous <laughs> event. It would have never happened if uh, Brian Colfage hadn't uh, gotten angry at all the emails I sent asking for copies of his bylaws. And so to be clear, yeah. what you did led to Bannon's indictment. Directly. That. And the, the, so the, the pardon, though, is for that same indictment, correct? So the pardon is for the federal indictment. That he it, Trump did not pardon Bannon's co-conspirators. Brian Colfage, still indicted. Timothy Shea, Andrew Badalato, still indicted for the money laundering okay. conspiracy and wire charges, yeah. Wire fraud. That's interesting. That's interesting. I wonder why not. Probably because he, uh, can I curse on this show? Yeah. He probably just didn't give a fuck about them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the technical term anyway. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, you saw how much he debated pardoning uh, Bannon. It was in the news for the whole entire last week of his presidency. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really humbling, actually, humbling. to think about the power uh, of truth. The, the power of truth, that the truths that I exposed, that, that this very high profile pro-Trump wall group uh, headed by Steve Bannon, the man most responsible for getting Donald Trump into the White House, 
that the truths that were exposed, that these people were scammers and that they were doing things the wrong way. Those truths were so powerful that the most powerful man in the world had to spend the last week of his time and power, knowing that time was ebbing away quickly, hemmed in and debating what to do about this problem that yeah. my reporting caused. Wow. And, Incredible. And, you know, I, I just, I mean, it's not something that, that I, I mean, I thought it was coming at some point. I mean, I figured he would have been pardoned long ago. Uh, honestly, after the election, I thought, oh, he's just going to pardon him the next day, maybe. Uh, you know, Steve Bannon was one of the two people who tried to feed all the false stories about Hunter Biden to the media during right. the election. He, he and Rudy Giuliani and his involvement as an alleged an indicted alleged felon really signaled to the mainstream media that this is a ploy, a scam, you know, yeah. It, yeah. it gave them permission to stop treating this person like, Oh, this guy's so important. Like he's so wonderful. Uh, you know, his lies have the sheen that other people's lies don't. And they were like, well, geez, you know, he stole a million dollars allegedly and now, I mean, we can say he stole a million dollars and got away with it. You know, what kind of law is that? I mean, think yeah. about how many people are in jail for stealing a thousand dollars or even a hundred dollars. Right. He steals a million and it's, it's okay. Yeah. So, so do you see Republicans crossing over to vote to indict Donald Trump? I mean, they're not to, to convict him in the Senate. To convict him in the Senate. You mean. Right, convict yeah. him in the Senate, right. I mean, I, I mean convict him, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's a funny story. There's political considerations involved, of course. Sure. Um, this is just a highly unusual trial because most of the judges are also the victims and the witnesses. I mean, mm. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, but it's not a criminal trial, okay? It is not a criminal trial. It's not a jury of peers. It's not beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, right and wrong matter. Uh, the law itself is not what matters here. The Constitution says he could be impeached and convicted and barred from running for office. And that's what this trial is about. In addition to, to upholding a, a, a very public form of punishment for the person most responsible for inciting the violence. I mean... Yeah. How many times do people get convicted of terrible crimes, but the person that ordered the crime, that logistically supported the crime, <clears throat> that gave the reason for the crime to happen, how often do they really get held responsible? It's so rare. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's, it's rarely the kingpin. It's the little guys at the bottom. But, but it would be in their political interest to do this for them. It. If he forms a new party, Marcos and I were talking about this yesterday. If he forms a new party, that's going to benefit us because that's just going to split the Republican vote. That is correct. Uh, I would imagine that. I, I would imagine that he would take a very significant a number of Republicans, maybe up to 60 percent of them, uh, today's Republicans, and he'd probably soak up a certain amount of the the independent vote as well. Um, wow. And this is not without precedent. Even Richard Nixon had a, a 25% approval rating when he left office. Yeah. 
You know, there are just people with, uh, you know, and I'm not being uh, technical here, but just describing it as the authoritarian mindset. They exist. They're out there, you know, and they're restrained by authority. A lot of people said, well, what's going to stop these authoritarians from uh, doing terrible things? And it's like, well, you know, most authoritarians are just going to lick the next boot. They're going to just, you know, acknowledge the next authority and move on, even though they may be unhappy. But this is an unusual circumstance. Uh, Donald Trump's main role in this insurrection into the Capitol was giving them permission. When he said, I'm going with you, I'll be there with you. <laughs> right. That's and, and, uh, that's and a signal of privilege. <laughs> But now that is interesting how some of these defendants are using that in their defense. So wait a minute. Most of them Dude are. said, yeah. That's that's very interesting. Well, so, you know, this is uh, being impeached twice for the same crime. He, at its heart, both crimes were cheating in the same election. Okay. Just one time he cheated before the election and the other afterwards. And yeah. I've spoken with Lev Parnas. I mean, the best okay. way that he described it was he said, hey, I thought that everything I was doing was like as his emissary, as the president's representative. I didn't think I was right. doing anything illegal when I was going to Ukraine and doing all these. My manded me to do this and said this would be a, a great aid to the, the state. And I did it. And, and that's exactly what you're hearing from these arrested Trump supporters who went and, and hurt and harmed the, the center of our democracy. What, what story or investigation are you working on next, Grant? Well, the, the Bannon story is not one that's going to go away that quickly. Because as I reported for the Byline Times, the state authorities still had an ongoing investigation a ongoing criminal investigation into We Build the Wall as of December 10th. And I submitted a list, a lengthy list of names, uh, Tom Tancredo, Kurt Schilling, Chris Kobach, uh, just a whole bunch of people and said, hey, are these people's, you know, emails about these people exempt? They said there were two to 300 emails and they were all exempt. Because uh, Florida's laws, uh, Florida's public records laws are very permissive, but they allow the state to exempt documents that are part of an ongoing criminal investigation. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they cited that. And a source familiar with the investigation said that now it's the state's decision if they're going to go forward or not. I mean, that source is very well placed to know if they're going to, but wouldn't indicate if it's really going to happen or not. Uh, you know, there's the state of New York, which could do the same thing. I mean, it would be Cy Vance's office, the Manhattan DA. Right. Because if they were charged in the, you know, SDNY, I'm sure that the Manhattan DA probably has uh, jurisdiction as well. Uh, I don't know if SDNY really has jurisdiction outside the island of Manhattan or not, to be quite honest. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe not too far out of there. Like, I think they go up to White Plains and that's about it, you know? Um, so I'd imagine that they're facing state charges or Bannon would be fa- facing state charges. So I'm actually in touch with a former SDNY prosecutor. I'm speaking with a, a Florida lawyer 
and trying to get an understanding of uh, how much duplication there is between the charges that were originally filed and the state laws that could be used to prosecute them. Because yeah. I think that there could be a lot of duplication. I mean, if you if you just read the state statutes in Florida about, uh, for example, wire fraud, it says right at the top, the intent of these laws is to match the federal laws and use federal precedent in our state cases. Mm-hmm. So I think that tells you a little bit about the future for these folks. So uh, my next steps, uh, I'm actually, you know, continuing the Bannon investigation. Uh, I've spoken with a very prominent former SDNY investigator, and I'm still chatting with, uh, uh, I'm sorry, an SDNY prosecutor. And I've also spoken with a Florida lawyer, a criminal defense lawyer here in Florida. Um, and I want to speak with actually uh, Fordham Law Professor Jed Sugarman, uh, because I'd like to know about the effect of the pardon as being an admission of guilt, because there's a lot of uh, law that says that accepting a pardon is a form of admission of guilt, right? Otherwise, why do I need to be pardoned? Right, right. I mean, otherwise you can, well, a pardon has to be accepted. Like, yeah, like I can, like, let's say that I'm the president and, uh, no, and I'm going to give out a pardon to, to, to you, Mark, and, and say that, uh, you know, uh, you didn't commit the crime of shoplifting. Well, unless you take that pardon into a court and use it, then it really doesn't, it's got no legal impact. Right. Right. right, right. So you have to take that pardon into court and then use it. You have to accept the pardon. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. say that you said, well, I don't want people thinking I'm a criminal. I'm going to fight this case. I'm not accepting this pardon. You, you could yeah. refuse to accept the pardon. Right. Even Steve Bannon could refuse to accept a pardon, although I don't know why he would since he worked so hard to get one. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, ABC News reported that that he was involved in the planning for the Capitol insurrection, which wouldn't surprise me one bit because a lot of these characters have been in his orbit for many years. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of what ifs. And I did actually uh, speak with this one SDNY prosecutor and I asked him, does this impact the ongoing case? He said, not at all. Those guys are still charged. They're still going to be tried. And it doesn't matter if one of their, uh, you know, cohort got pardoned. Um, It just means that, you know, he might be put on the stand as a hostile witness. Uh, But I've also read that he may not get put on the stand at all because this could just be what's called a documentary case. There's so much documentary evidence, texts, emails, you know, written communications that this is not going to be a complicated situation. To try and get a conviction. Unbelievable. Folks, follow him on Twitter at Grant Stern. That's the best way to keep up with him. Uh, Also, Occupy Democrats and Democratic Coalition. He's doing a lot of great work out here, keeping us informed, getting information a lot of which you will not get in the mainstream media. And he's also an activist. We do a lot of work together. Uh, We're going to be doing a lot more as well. This, This does not stop. Grant, thank you for joining us, man. Keep up the great work. Keep the beer. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rev. I'll see you soon. Grant John Brown Stern, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.